Hello everyone, this is Simon from Fire Every Human doing my third podcast of talking about just random thoughts that occur to me while I'm driving home from work, hopefully with a scientific bend. It's usually me just talking and bloviating, but you know, I enjoy it. I don't really care if anyone's listening to this, but I'm enjoying doing it. I came across a picture today on my feed that was a lass talking about that she couldn't walk past a wounded animal or an upside-down turtle or even an earthworm on the road in the rain without stopping to intervene. And that this is not naivety. She was fully well aware of um, that that chances are the worm would get crushed or the turtle would just be eaten or whatever you do is ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, a completely useless act. But that didn't stop her from doing it, and she was angry that, that this was confused with naivety when it was just a uh, her decision to help. And that got me thinking, in that another way of looking at that is that it is, and I don't mean this in any negative way, it's ultimately ego, in that you are deciding the way the world should be, that's the way that your world should be, and that's the, the line you're drawing, and you're willing to take steps to make that so. Now, the fact that in our society, it, you know, these are the, 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 the acts that this woman was talking about, positive acts like caring for the weak and caring for the hurt and injured and, and especially animal, animals um, and things like that. These are positive traits that our society in, enjoys having. <laughs> I so apologise, my words are not here. It's something that we, we recognise and we enjoy. Like, I mean, I've talked previously about the, the, the cute little baby, the baby animal reflex that makes us go, oh, to try and project our giant-headed monkey babies. So, I mean, it was a woman as well, and that's one of the sexist things about us and I, society, and that it's perfectly okay for... Anyway, I won't get into that, because I'll get in trouble. Um, but ultimately, it's, ultimately, it's ego. It's that you've drawn that line to, to, to do that, and... Some people go through their lives without ever questioning or looking at the effect that they have. Now, if that, if, leading on from that, if, the, if, if that, what the woman was saying is ego, is egoic, what is a lack of ego? Ego. Now, I thought, think I thought about this, and I'm sure there are many philosophers and especially Buddhists and religious theists out there that could discuss what is a lack of ego, Buddhism especially. It's nothing. It's an absence. So for a human to be totally non-egoic is to be less impactful than the air. The air carries even nutrients in some part. It carries dust. It carries pollen and seeds. It warms. It cools. It creates weather. Um, these spiraling patterns. It's like chaos there, and I'll come back to that later. A human that making no decisions at all is even less impactful than that. And even a human making no decisions is still a, you're still making decisions. You have to eat, you have to drink, you have to sleep. Uh, as my dear old mother used to say, if you don't eat, you don't poop, and if you don't poop, you die. So there, <laughs> there it is. Um, so we all, even regardless, even if we decided we didn't want to make any decisions, we're still making decisions. Our biology makes them for us. So we can't be zero impact. We, we just, it's not possible. Take, a, take a, a body of water, a pond, or even a tiny little pool of water, and throw a rock in it, throw a stone in it, throw the smallest particle in it. Make the least 
case of perturbation that you can, the least effect you can, and there will still be ripples. This is important. Everything we do creates ripples. So whether you choose to help animals on the side of the road, that then in turn makes that animal in, say, if we believe in the concept of destiny, which I don't, but if you did, that that animal, say that animal was destined to die on the side of the road, but you didn't, you helped it, and you, it survived, and it continued, that animal didn't die. So now you've changed the future. Not that on a quantum level such a construct exists, but this is the human psychology part of it. We see patterns, we see a river of time from A to B, and if you intersect with something, you're altering the flow of that event. Now, a lot of what we do is just noise, is just chatter, like sometimes getting up and going to work, getting up and going to school, or getting up and running errands makes no impact on the world around us that we see. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it has these monumental benefits. Sometimes you might be in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. Or the right time, some version of that. Think about this. Imagine you're at the supermarket. This is not a story about me. I just picked supermarket at random. Imagine you're at the supermarket. That person is having a particularly, really, really bad day. And they're not dealing very well with all the COVID stuff. Everyone's isolated. They haven't seen their friends in ages. They're, they're just getting up and going to work and going home and that's it. Life has become this sort of grey, beigey thing. And it's unpleasant. You know, there's a reason why throughout human history, isolation has been used as a form of torture. All right. So imagine this person's not doing very well. So then they're working. Customer comes in. The customer's really convivial. They're pleasant. And they smile at them and they say a kind word. This could mean the difference. If, if the mental health of that person is not very good, this could be the difference between life and death. So, so what I'm talking about here is, is the chance of you having a meaningful impact on the world is beyond your ability to recognize because you cannot possibly have enough data to understand what your impact is going to be. Now, here's the other part of it. Humans are incredibly unlikely. If we look at the sum total of the universe, we look at the likelihood of organic, inorganic ooze turning into organic ooze, turning into life, turning into single-cell, multi-cell, and in the, the long journey that I've talked about previously leading up to humans, not that we're the penultimate anything, it's just we happen to be here now. We're incredibly unlikely. You, as a human, are a kind of random collection of molecules put together by itself in a very particular way that lets you interact with your environment and create more humans. Um, that's a very bare-bones approach to the meaning of life, just quietly, and, and there are other versions of that, and there's a, there's a difference between the biological version meaning of life and the psychological meaning of life. Psychological meaning is that we have to create meaning. It's, it's meaning. It's the only thing that makes that is meaning. <laughs> I know it's circular, but meaning is anything that has meaning um, outside of genetic reproduction. So you're incredibly unlikely. Um, your, co your collection of molecules, you or me. And the chance of 
let me put this another way. There is... Every time you decide to get up and do whatever you do and interact with the world around you, you are creating ripples. Every action has equal action, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That is Newtonian physics. And there is that holds true for your life. It holds true for physics. I mean, once you get down to quantum physics, it stops being as relevant. Sorry, I'm being very, very vague. Traffic's a bit gnarly. Um, so for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So you you go out and you drop... A, every Everything you do is dropping a pebble in the water, creating ripples. Now, if there is only one pebble in the water, creating one set of ripples the ripples move slowly to the other side of the pond and they, they don't interact. But if there is multiple events, then those ripples bounce off each other and create chaos. Now, for those of you that are my age or you've sort of memorised bits of Jurassic Park, especially the, the, in the first one, you have the character played by Ian Malcolm, played by a person whom I quite like that I forget the name of that is really... Oh, God, what's his name? He was in Thor Ragnarok. Anyway, never mind, that's annoying. Um, Jeff Goldblum, ha! <laughs> so, he introduces the concept of chaos theory in, that, in the movie, and considerably more so in the book. Chaos theory is large number theory. It's where you take single perturbations of a system, single ripples, interacting in a larger system, and creating chaos, but with an underlying order. It's just these incredibly large number series, number sets. And some of you might have heard of something called the butterfly effect, where a, to- uh, a butterfly flaps its wings in, in New York and there's a typhoon in Tokyo. Weather is a really good example of, these, of this butterfly effect of chaos theory of ripples, because the smallest influence to weather, say the ocean warming by 0.04 degrees, causes massive flow-on effects like increased typhoons, increased superstorms. In fact, Vanuatu is about to get absolutely friggin' hammered by a superstorm of unprecedented size. And this is because of ocean warming. Now, that's the environmental side of things. But chaos theory describes these scenarios. So let's bring it back to the original, um, the original thesis idea that humans can create these ripples. And we don't think that we do. We don't pay attention to what we do do. We barely, like, I mean, I work in a supermarket. There's self-checkouts at this supermarket. And if something goes wrong, when you put your bag down, for example, it'll spit up an error, but it keeps beeping. And the amount of people that just keep scanning, because it'll keep beeping. But it's a negative beep. It's a different beep. They'll look up. Stupid. Have a look. So we're not paying attention. Shit, I think I've done it once or twice. You're not paying attention. You're not looking at the screen. You're just doing what you're doing. So humans are really, really good at just phenomenally not paying attention to what's around us. So the idea that our actions and our choices could have these both seen and unforeseen ripple effects in in society, in space and time, is just not something we, we really look at very strongly. Um, anyone who's been in a relationship knows that the the way one person is affects the other person because you're intertwined you care about each other 
So when one person's down, the other person feels down, most of the time, unless you've got really healthy coping mechanisms, which most people don't. Um, and things have flow-on effects, like every, say for example, this is not anyone in particular, but every time, say, if the feelings you have are too intense and you do a thing like you have a drink or you distance yourself or something like that to numb yourself to the sensation, you're going to keep doing that and eventually it might lead to an addictive disorder. And all addictions are about emotions anyway at the end of the day. So small steps, small ripples creating large flow-on effects based on human choice. Now, if you're listening to this, and I really do hope that people are actually listening to this, there are, think about it, think about the last thing you did that you think that seemed totally inconsequential, had no meaning to it whatsoever, and yet it turned out it had this immense meaning, it had this immense connection to something else, and it caused this flow-on effect. Um, This may be incredibly sexist, but... I have a feeling that men are a little worse at this, or at least culturally we're told that we should be a little bit worse at this um, than women are, because we tend to blithely storm through regardless of what's in front of us. So, collecting our thoughts here, we come, we've started with egoic behaviour in that you decide to alter the universe based on a whim, not a whim, or based on a preset set of conditions that you've imposed upon yourself. And now it turns out that everything we do can have these crazy reactions and reactions. It's a strange world that we live in. It's just nutty. Like, humans, you you would be terrified of leaving the house. If you thought for an instant that every step that you took would have echoes into the future that could lead to harm, for someone else, you would never do anything. And there are some people that are genuinely afraid of this, and it is a known psychological, psychiatric condition. But we don't. We don't think about it. We, we squash down that fear. We squash down that sense of unease that we can't control the future. Now, anyone who lives with post-traumatic stress disorder, especially complex post-traumatic stress disorder, knows that you can't necessarily turn that shit off. You, it's called... Um, hyper alert or always on and you're always looking for threats and it is a no again another known psychological disorder um usually stemming from trauma yeah i forget the formal term so the human brain finds these comfortable ways to switch off so if there's one way look at that if that huge i can't conceive of the universe all of the data points in the universe at once so i'm just not going to is a thing that we do what are other things that the brain switches off that you don't necessarily know about? I mean, we wouldn't know about it because our brain's switching it off. <laughs> so how, what else is going on? Well, a couple of the things is like, I saw in a video earlier, uh, and it was discussing the ways in which Star Trek is a bit of an overly optimistic sense of utopia. Um, that especially in the original series like Kirk is sexist Um, there's that one where the woman wants the Enterprise to add to her collection and he tells her he's going to give her a slap spanking I think it was Um, Bones is a racist prick towards Spock constantly Um, 
wharf gets the short end of the stick on a number of occasions because humans just can't conceptualize other cultures um, other cultures as, as well as they think they can um, every now and again when in Deep Space Nine the Ferengi character Nog who's friends with the human character uh, the, the captain's son no, I've forgotten his name um, Jake, Jake Sisko um, the Ferengi will go to do something that is so totally sexist and inappropriate and Jake will call him on that shit that stuff and he'll go, no, no, but this is culturally important for me. How dare you humans tell me how I, how I should and how I shouldn't perform my own culture. There's an episode later on where you start to get conversations about female emancipation and things like that. It's a, it's a good storytelling time. But, I mean, how many times in your life have you unthinkingly not considered another person's culture? I do it all the time, unthinkingly. It's shit and I wish I didn't do it, but I do do it. So that's one thing, sort of, unless you're absolutely hyper-aware of, of racism and cultural identity, you're going to step on some toes. It's inevitable, because we are who we are, we're humans. So we don't really pay attention to the effect that our actions have on the world around us. We don't really have pay attention to the, the racial, sexual, racist, racial, sexual and cultural sensitivities around us. I mean, it's getting better go back to 1985 and it was a bit bloody worse than it is now but there's still some ways it hasn't bloody changed at all um, the gender gap there was a, a study just concluded a couple of weeks ago that's showing that in, in most countries gender the, the, the attempt to close the gender pay gap has stalled or gone backwards so we're not evolving terribly quickly and the human brain likes to conceal things from us and we try to live in a society where, um, where we're all trying to work together, we're all trying to be collegiate, and yet we're not. We're really not. We, we let ego get in the way. We let pride, we let selfishness, we let desire get in the way of these things. And I'm, I'm really waffling now. I had a point, but it's long gone. Um... <laughs> So can we, can, we, can we be anything else? Can, can we design a perfect human? Well, no, it's not that easy. If we had had the idea, the toolkit to make a perfect society, one where, where ego didn't step on other people's toes, where everyone was equal, we would have done it. We would have tried it. There's been countless experimentations into cultural and, and political and social ideologies that just have not worked at all. Um, was famous Winston Churchill quote, I think it's Winston Churchill said um, democracy is a terrible system and should never be used but it's the best we've got and you know democracy plus money is just a horrifying combination sorry, to democracy plus capitalism and even the birth of democracy in Pericles in the ancient Greek world in Athens during the Peloponnesian war with Sparta um it was really an elitist. It was really an elite thing. You had to have money to contribute. You couldn't. Slaves didn't have votes. Women didn't have votes. You had to have money to to be worthy of a vote. So, I mean, we've progressed somewhat since then. But in many ways, we're still slaves to our psychology. 
that comes back to the hidden elements. If if our brain hides this fear of an unknown reality, of unforeseen consequences from us, so we can survive in a, in a linear fashion without going mad. If our brain doesn't really let us know when we're being intolerant or, or racist or sexist, that's not ideal. And our brain doesn't inform us, it doesn't like to be wrong. Like, I'm, I'm terrible at it. I have a really horrible case of know-it-all and I, I don't like it. I really wish I didn't have it. Um, some people, like, I mean, we go back to, so... <laughs> Alright, so COVID is happening right now. COVID-19. And the world is on a, on, a, on, a, on a kind of stage of lockdown. Some people are more than others. Um, the anti-vax people have been pretty quiet in my sphere of the world. And when there's a vaccine, and really the only way to stop COVID, to stop this lockdown stuff and to stop COVID from killing people, is a vaccine. You know, and until... I was saying this to a customer today who wasn't really paying attention to social distancing and didn't want to wash his hands when he came into the shop and, and things like that. And, and I said, do you know that, that these are the only difference at the moment? London, there's a, the, the British government is building a pretty big mausoleum outside London, I think it is, to house the victims of COVID. Uh, I'm not sure what Italy's been doing with them. I know that there were satellite photos of Iran of them digging giant trenches just to mass graves. Like, and that's a horrifying thought. That one of the big things that's stopping the need for mass graves or mass cremations is washing your damn hands and not standing less than two meters away from me and covering your mouth when you friggin' cough. Social isolation is the difference between a handful like a hundred deaths and 10,000. So I think we're doing pretty well in Australia. We could be doing a lot better and we could be doing with some leadership that wasn't, you know, like throwing bloody spaghetti at a wall, seeing what's stuck and doing everything to try and get a Hillsong conference going ahead. Oops, I didn't say that. Um, so I lost track of the point again. <laughs> So our, our, we're animals, ostensibly, and we have all these inbuilt psychological tools that get us to go, that stop us from being paralysed about not knowing everything, that stop us from being paralysed about putting a foot wrong and pissing someone off, though a lot of us do have that fear. Social anxiety sucks ours, which is quite a lot. What do we do about that? If we trying to engineer a better society or a more effective society we're still using the same old tools that is the flawed human mind that was being created by evolution so <laughs> there's the transhumanist question for you what do we need to change about ourselves to ameliorate ourselves of some of these problems and things that hold us back. I wrote my master's thesis when I was doing my science communication master's degree on the elements of human psychology that are holding back societal progress. And I was talking about anti-vaccination, people who hold those anti-vaxxers, but it's not just anti-vaxxers, it's people who hold views that run counter to scientific information, people who don't trust it, and 
people who who don't ever believe anything from any establishment that only believes fringe theories, there is a growing consensus that we should start dealing with conspiracy theories, really severe conspiracy theory obsession as a form of mental illness. Um, I mean, to a point, it's reasonable. Corporations haven't exactly been honest with us. They've done some like Monsanto in the past has done some really, really dodgy things. Um, and I can go into details about that if anyone's interested. But they've kind of cleaned their game up. Syngenta's done some reasonably dodgy things, like some of the things they do with uh, with, um, with terminated genes in seeds, with India and driving farmers bankrupt because they can't afford to buy seeds year after year after year, is pretty fruited up. Now, I'm going to say, it's pretty fucked up. However... You know, they're not... GMO is not this thing that's going to just, just wipe out people. It's not designed as anything. It's just trying to make more profit. Like, there's Israeli technolo- uh, technologists, universities and companies trying to make plants that can grow... Normal plants that grow in the desert. And they're making huge leaps and strides in it. Because, you know, they have to. Um, but they're not doing it for any ulterior motive. They're just trying to grow things in a non-optimal, non-optimal way. And with climate change coming, you're going to want crops that grow in non-optimal ways. Because they're going to need it. So what's that, what that is called is when someone, when someone is against GMOs, when they've been demonstrated to be acceptable. When someone is against uh, vaccinations, even though they have been overwhelmingly demonstrated to be one of the huge keys to having a prosperous society when you have people who believe in flat earth which as a geologist that just makes me crazy like come on guys the earth is not flat you're an idiot um if you really genuinely won't change your mind on this there's a fella in ancient Egypt that proved it with a friggin pencil and a guy who could run really fast okay well that's not it at all but the theory's there he demonstrated this guy one guy and I can talk about this again if someone wants I can, he demonstrated the old the Earth was curved in BC, for, for Christ's sake, in BC. And we're arguing about this shit again? It's called ideological entrenchment, and it is a bigger issue that I'm going to go into here. But human minds are set up in such a way that if you take something as a core value, nothing will change your mind. I was bullied quite badly in school. So I, ha- I struggle with mental illness in a way that I think that I, f- on one level, I feel that I am really worthless. And I genuinely struggle with that because my brain took that as a core value. If people can say whatever they want, it just can't shift that narrative that I feel worthless. And that's my mental health, probably more than you wanted to know, but it doesn't matter. Now, people who believe in, in, in the flat earth have taken that as a core value. You can't convince them your brain will reject rational information when it's given to you in favor of the core belief because it's the core belief you've based an idea you've based your ideology around it and that is an enormous flaw in the human psychology now what it means from an evolutionary level is that your ideas are easier to protect you won't be so easily swayed by outsiders that your community which usually has like-minded people is stronger because the ideas you have about reality aren't easily shaken. 
so you can be more cohesive. So it serves an evolutionary purpose, but it doesn't work in the modern context. You need to be able to change your mind. And whoa, politics, wow, do you need to be able to be rational and change your mind. You know, you know, looks like Trump's going to win another term. You know, whoa, God. And that's just people voting emotionally. Ideological entrenchment. You cannot have your mind changed. You know, the, and I could go into so many incredibly insulting rants about that because there are so many people out there who believe things that are just banana fucking crazy. And you're never going to be able to change their mind with facts. Just go on Facebook. Just say Nine News publishes an article about climate change. And then friggin' Daryl from from North Springs or whatever the hell is suddenly solving the problem because he knows more than the experts too. Oh, no, it's rubbish. Humans aren't causing it. Or whatever. No, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Absolutely wrong. Um, but your And your opinion doesn't have weight because you don't have any data. You're not an expert. And yet... That does not matter one iota. Like, um, I, I recently... There are people in England setting fire to 5G cell towers because they think it's related to COVID. Like, come on, guys, seriously. If, 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 if YouTube started policing its content, I mean, we set fire to News Corp, then things, the world would be a very different place. But, anyway, I'm hope, so I should stop talking. What I'm ultimately trying to say is that there are some flaws in human psychology that prevent equality. We're, we're egoic. We are think we we feelers rather before we're thinkers, and we kind of society like we have these imperfect societies where people are left out in the cold. People are punished. People are are not supported. Like the current measures in Australia to deal with joblessness and COVID is woefully inadequate to deal with people who are either self-employed, disabled, or um, casual. Like, it's crazy. And the, the people in charge won't, won't hear of it. They won't even consider an alternative. And that's the entrenchment. So if we want to have a truly idealistic society, if we want to have a society where everyone's looked after, then maybe it's not a political issue. Maybe it's a psychological issue. Maybe it's a physiological one. Maybe we need to address some of these issues that humans have these inbuilt failures of cognition, of thinking, that that really get in the way. Now, in a modern context, we go back to a trial, we have, you know, the world explodes and we have to go back to hunter-gatherer, then maybe it'll be helpful again. But in a modern context, it doesn't work. In a technological society, that doesn't work anymore. So there's something to think about, maybe, that if the problem's human... How do we address that problem? You know, and at the end of the day, that's an introductory argument to welcome to transhumanism and posthumanism. What do we have to become in terms of human in order to overcome our humanness, our, our negative humanness? Thank you for listening to me waffle. I apologize for the unbelievable level, length of waffling. And thanks a lot. Bye.